All right. Uh, for those of you who don't know me or have met me and you don't really know who's talking to you, uh, my name's Ryan. Uh, I and Nicole, my wife, we, um, we lead the church here in the city. And I have the privilege of kicking off the series, the new series of James this, uh, this week. We're going to be journeying through James for the next five weeks. Uh, th- we have labelled it Faith in Action. And if you know anything about James, if you've read it once or twice before, you know that's what it's all about. It's about going beyond what you know and putting it into practice and knowing that uh, your faith goes beyond just knowledge and it's actually uh, yeah, acting out of it. And it, it's uh, producing these natural acts out of it. Sermon today, uh, we're going to talk about faith in trials. So, chapter one, James chapter one, if you have your Bibles handy. And I'll start by reading uh, 1 James 6, verse 8. It says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. First thing I want to say is, don't be a wave. That may not make make sense. I'm a human. I'm I'm not a wave. I'm not water. But don't be a wave. This is what we hear from James. If you you know anything about waves, I I don't know if you've been to the beach uh, and you're just looking and you don't know anything about waves, especially when, when you're younger, and you just see the water rolling in coming in and and you're like these 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 waves they have a mind of its own i don't i don't know where it comes from i don't know where it goes but it just keeps coming back keeps coming back we know uh, if you if you know anything about waves is that they're influenced by other things they're influenced by the the moon which creates the tide and they're influenced by the wind this is what we know as how we get waves and what james is trying to say is don't be a wave. And what that means is we, as Christians, uh, we have a hard challenge of living in a world where, where we know what the truth is, we know who God is, but then we've got people around us or we've got the world around us saying that you are a liar or you, what you believe in is false. And so the challenge uh, as Christians is not to be swayed by the uh, influences outside of us. So that's what I mean by saying we, our challenge as a Christian is to not be the wave, to not be influenced, but stand firm in what we know is true, which is Jesus Christ, His resurrection. So when we, we, we read through James today, uh, we need to take hold of these Proverbs for the next five weeks and, and trust God without a doubt. Stand firm in Him and not be a wave and not be influenced by what is around us. James starts in, uh, in verse, verse 2 and he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces persev- perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. I don't think any one of us can have a look at the trials or the temptations that have come through our life and go, yeah, I'm joyful. I'm happy that they came through. I'm happy that, that, that I'm being constantly uh, tempted into do things that, that, that God tells me is, is not right. That is not our natural reaction. This is not the joy that maybe we find when we go down to the local uh, KFC and get your wicked wings. Uh, I know I speak to, to a few 
few people that, that are on my, uh, on my wavelength. KFC is one of those things for me. They're my vices. I know it's unhealthy, but I, I enjoy it nonetheless. And it's, when you eat it, uh, you get that, 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 that joy in an instant. But uh, honestly, a, a little bit after, you kind of feel a bit regretful that you did it. Um, but it doesn't stop you from keep coming back because you, you, you crave for that, that temporary joyful moment. Uh, whatever the vice is for you, uh, donuts, another one. No. Uh, <laughs> but the joy that we see in trials, the joy that we see in, in James is not this momentary joy. It's this deep-seated joy that comes at the end of a journey and which usually means that there's going to be a bit of pain throughout that journey. And we have to, in these trials, have a perspective that is not uh, of us, but of God. And that means that this journey is, is going to hit us, it's going to hurt us, um, and it's going to test us. It's like going on a marathon. I think if, you, if you're on a large marathon, you don't really have that joy at the at the 3k mark or the 5k mark, depending how long you're going, it, it's, it's hurting, your body's shutting down, your body's, um, yeah, taking a, taking a beating and you really have to rely on, on saying, looking at the, at the end, looking at the goal. But we can get lost in the temporary pain and the temporary, um, you know, fatigue that we have in our, in our body. It's the same with faith in Jesus Christ and, and, and when we're in, uh, getting, going through these trials and these temptations in life that, that we can get stuck in the pain but what we really need is, is that, that end of the road perspective, that end goal, what it's achieving, what we're getting out of it. And this is why, so these are a couple of points, why you can be joyful in trials. Number one, it means that your faith in Jesus Christ is real. As soon as you become a Christian, you can, you can expect trials to start. And, and here's why. For maybe for the first time in life since becoming a Christian, um, you know, since knowing Jesus, you're now in conflict within yourself. There, there are a lot of things that are going to come your way as a Christian. Persecution, uh, temptation, physical sickness, death in a family. Well, this is not just of Christians, this is everyone. But we... These things that we uh, had our hope in before, or at least enjoyed, if a little background about me, I, um, I was a bit of a party person, a bit of a party boy, and um, I, I looked to um, hanging out with my mates and, and, and drinking a little bit too much and, and partying, because that's what found that joy. But when I came to faith in Jesus Christ, it was now a conflict between what I wanted to do and what God wanted me to do, what, what God wanted me to put my hope in versus what I wanted to, to, to pursue. So there was this conflict. So for you guys, if you're going through temptations on the daily, it's because you now know who Jesus Christ is and, and what he wants for you as his children. And that is so good. It means that there's something working inside of you. There is something uh, conflicting in you because you know the truth now. Another reason why we can be joyful in trials is because of what it produces. And it produces this perseverance, this patience. Patience is a, is a major theme in James. Because it is so crucial that we, that we have patience as a Christian. 
James chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. So James was addressing this scattered church, uh, which happens in Acts 8, where persecution was getting a little bit too rampant, and so they had to scatter. So James is addressing people that were literally in persecution, and they were waiting for Jesus to come and, and, and redeem them and, and, and take them out of this persecution. And although we, we may not feel that sort of persecution, especially in Australia, it does happen, and it is happening. But even within our trials and our suffering, our nat- natural reaction is thinking, when is it going to end? You know, when, when, when will God bring me out of this? But James is saying, you must be patient, and you must let it finish its work, so that you may be full and complete. The only way that our, our faith can be continually strengthened and refined is by going through trials. And the only way we can get through that is by having this patience and this perseverance that comes from it. It's kind of like a cycle. Trial by trial and temptation by temptation, we are learning about ourselves and, and we are learning about our need to rely on God. If we can come with that perspective of you know, this understanding that, that at the end of the road that, that we're going to be full and complete, it's going to help us to have this patience. It's going to help us to teach us perseverance that, that what we see here is not, not all. It's all that God's got in store for us. And in order to get through these, these trials and temptations, we, we need wisdom. It says in James 1.5, if, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God gives generously to all who without fi- uh, to all without finding fault and it will be given to you James uh, sorry scholars attribute James uh, in line with the wisdom literatures of the Old Testament and that's because they they have these themes that cross over the only difference is that James is written in in revelation of Jesus Christ coming so there's a shifted uh, perspective and it's elevated to a to a next level. And when you read the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, you, you see these themes crossing over, these wisdom, these, these good things that you must put in your life as a Christian, these good things that you must practice in your life to, to, to have true fulfillment. And when I, I did a bit of research, and the, the Hebrew word for wisdom is, is hokmah. And it literally means applied knowledge. Knowledge that goes beyond this, this uh, head knowledge and goes into practice. And, and that's what James is talking about all the way through. The act is going before knowing and it's actually doing. And these, these artists that were said to have wisdom, uh, if you look through Exodus, um, it, it, it talks about people like the artists and the sculptors and the landscapers. These people that, that were so good with their hand, that had a head knowledge and then they, they went beyond that and, and started applying it. And this is what was attained to uh, wisdom. 
But then when you go to Proverbs, it just it, it, it spells us out for it even more, and this is how it applies to us. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the fear of the Lord is wisdom, and this is what we need when we're going through trials. And this fear of the Lord is not being scared of Him, although it, it is this reverence and understanding of who he, who he is and what His power is and what His authority is over our life. It goes beyond that to go, what does God want me to do in this situation? To summarise, it's your thoughts and not my thoughts. Whoop, lights out. That's right, don't worry about it, just... You might get red lights and doom and gloom. No. Um, the fear of the Lord is this reverent understanding of who God is compared to you and how much greater He is and how much we need to rely on Him throughout all the trials that come your way. As I said before, it's your thoughts and not mine. And if we can, if we can have that in the back of our mind as we start to you know, go along in life and trials and temptations get thrown our way, if we come through an understanding of, of the fear of the Lord on your life, it's going to help us to shift our perspective from what's going on in my life to, to, to focusing on God. And this is going to take us through. This is going to help us. And this, with patience, with perseverance, is, is what faith is all about. It's, it's, it's about knowing who you serve and devoting your life to Him, even in the painful times. And it also says, if you are lacking wisdom, you need to ask for it. You need to know the one who can give it to you. It says, do it with whole hearts and not doubting at all. And this is where this, this analogy of not being a wave kind of gets that, that understanding that, that we cannot afford to be double-minded people in this world. Otherwise, we'll get swept away. And that, that, is a, that is a hard place to be in where we're just constantly doubting God in, in every, every bit of our life. I believe we have enough evidence to go, it's, it's, it's God that I need to follow. And all these things that are happening in my life, these temptations that are coming my way, these things of the world that are saying... Devote your life to me. We have the evidence in, in the word, in, 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 in everyone's testimonies. And we need to put our hope in God and, and throw off these, these things that the world is, is showing us. Final point is to know your tempter and know your temptation. It says in verse 13, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. To put it bluntly, James is saying you cannot blame God for the temptations, the individual temptations, the things that draw you away from God. You only have yourself to blame for it. And therefore, that is why we need God so much more. It goes back to that first point. There's a wrestle inside of you. And what James is saying is, is, is 
God's way is the way that's going to bring true fulfillment. God's way is going to make you complete. God's way is going to help you. Because there is a warning at the end. If, if you put your hope in the things of the world, if you put your hope in money, if you put your hope in relationships, they all seem like neutral things. They're all neutral things until we put our spin on it, until we elevate them above God. And it says it breeds sin which gives birth to death. And we, may th- we may think we are, we, are, we are doing the right thing by being studious in our study, and, and you are. But if that becomes your ambition to be the best you can be, then if it's not God-glorifying, then, then, then what is it for? We've got to make sure it's God-glorifying in everything that we do. And even, even trials that come our way that, that are external, that don't come from within us, the, the death that we may, find, uh, we may experience in our family, the, the, the suffering, the sickness... We can say that they're definitely not from us. There's nothing in there that, that, that I am to blame for. And therefore, someone is to blame. But even within these trials, there is still a temptation to blame God for them. That's where we need to, need to be weary and we need to, to take hold of what James has to say and says, but God does not tempt anyone by evil and he, he is not evil. It says... Every good gift, every good perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father, heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. James reminds us that every good gift is from above. And I want to hone in on that idea of God not changing like the shifty, shifting shadows. And, and this happened to me last year when I, when I started essentially working too hard because I, I had a focus on the next step for me, what, what was going to be the next step for me in my career. Uh, I, I had a dream to be one day a, a, a project, um, what do you call it, manager, project manager, you know, to be that person that makes the decisions, to be that person to, to be on a massive project. You know, I saw the light rail and I went, you know, that would be awesome if I could do that for another city or I could do that for stage two or I could do that for stage three of the light rail. And it, and, it, and it became my fuel. So, so working 60 hours, working 70 hours was not a problem for me because I still had that goal. But then when I came to church and I felt flat, when I came to church uh, and I was talking to people and, and I didn't really get what they were saying, I thought that God had disappeared. And then I started saying God was not real. It only took less than a year for me to, to, to be shifted from what I knew about God and, and, and was willing to give it up. It says in James here that, that he does not change like the shifting shadows. So the alternative to that is that I had replaced him or I had put him behind a curtain a temporary period and it wasn't until I many people told me that you need to seriously look at at your job life and see whether it is worth it and so I changed jobs and and I gave some space and and oh God appeared again because I had hidden him I, I say that um, as a little bit of a warning 
for, for people that here in this room that, that are maybe putting too much hope in the wrong things. We, we know the truth. We read the truth uh, in the Bible. We experience the truth when we're out in the world. And this is what James is all about. He wants us to, to know that truth and then put it into action. And one of those first steps, and that's why it's at the beginning, is, is be weary of the temptations in the world. Be weary of them in your own life. Know what they are. And more importantly, depend on God through all of it. I just want to close by, by uh, sharing. Does anyone remember the bracelets? WWJD, DOG, FROG. Do we know what they mean? What would Jesus do? Depend on God, fully rely on God. I used to think of them as just indicators of that person was a really proud Christian. They, when you saw him at school, he's like, yep, that guy's a Christian. No, I didn't wear one. Um, I didn't want anyone to know. Um, but that, that's what I thought. They were, just, they were just indicators of people being Christians and being proud of it. And they were somewhat trendy. And they were a conversation starter. And none of those things were wrong. But as I was reflecting on them this week, I, I, I thought back to them. And I think this is exactly what we need in our life today. That's exactly what we need now. We need, we need a reminder on our wrist metaphorically or physically, if you go down that path, that, that we need to remember what would Jesus do in the situation that we found ourselves in or in the temptation that we are finding ourselves in or the, you know, the trials that we're finding ourselves in. We need, to, we need to cast our minds to what would Jesus do when temptations come our way. We, we, need to go, we need to be reminded that we need to fully rely on God when we don't see the light at the end. And we need to be reminded to depend on God when you don't know what the next step is. That is the fear of the Lord, and that is wisdom, and that is what we need. We need to have that reverence and understanding of who God is, that He is not the author of suffering and destruction, that He, even though He's not the author of it, He can still use that to teach us. That when he sees us go through those trials, when he sees us go through those temptations and, and go his way over the world's way, he's cheering upstairs. That is what he wants for his people. And, and these trials and these temptations in life, even though you don't see it, you don't feel it at the time, they are refining you, they are strengthening you. I don't know if you've uh, heard... Francis Chan's analogy on, on, on testing, but it's this, this idea of uh, testing the silver and you heat up the metal and you heat it up to a, to a point where the impurities start coming to the surface. And then the silversmith would scrape it out and he would continually do this, he continually do this, he continually do this till there were no impurities left. And when the silversmith can look down, he can see his own reflection this is what God can do with your trials, even though he's not the author of them. That he is wanting his people to be continually refined. He is wanting his people to be continually strengthened. The other thing about impurities is, if you leave them in and then you let the silver go off and go hard, it's weak and it will not stand the test of time. But if you get rid of those impurities, it will survive. It will, it will stand the test of time. And this is what God wants for his people. He wants strong people who trust in him, that when they see these trials, rather than getting scared by it, they go, God,
God is going to work with me on these. God is going to strengthen me with these. And at the end of the road, when we get to see God, He will see perfection. He will see heaven because He's seen people that have been able to stand the test of time. That could go through the trials and rely on Him. So to close with an encouragement, don't be a wave. Don't be swayed by the world. Rely on God. Fear Him. And know that He's got a plan for you. Align yourself with Him. and He will bless you. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank You for, for what, you, what You reveal to us through Your Word. That we can turn to the Bible and learn about you, and learn about instruction, learn about wisdom, and how to navigate this world. And furthermore, Lord, when we read, we learn more about you and, and, and your great plan. Lord, help us to humble ourselves, and rather than go in our own strength, that we rely on you, that we seek, seek you, that we seek wisdom, that we, that we pray to you and ask for your strength. I just thank you, Lord, for the trials, even, even if we don't see them at the moment. We don't see your sovereignty over them. Pray, Lord, that we fix our eyes on you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.